Welcome to 502 Entrepreneurs, Louisville's podcast featuring local business owners, entrepreneurs, and side hustlers, all who have a story to tell. I am your host, Carl Armijo, owner and operator of Carl Armijo Photography. Our guest today is Tony Helms, owner of Derby City Press. It's time to keep it weird with Tony. Tony, how you doing? What's up, brother? How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing well. Glad to have you here today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So tell everybody who you are and uh, what you're currently doing um, business-wise. I know you've got a, had a lot of things in the fire in the past, so what's, uh, <laughs> what's your main focus now? Um, my name is Tony Helms. I'm, um, my main focus right now is I have a, a promotional products business, I guess, is the best way to describe it. It's div- difficult to explain. We do screen printing and make signs and banners and um, sublimation, which is like when you see pictures on cups or full-color name tags, things like that. We do engraving. Um, it's, it's not, uh, it's not so easy to explain people. Some people think I make t-shirts. Some people think I make signs. Truth is we do all that. And that is a relatively new business for me. I've only had it, I guess, two years, about two years. Um, and then I clean carpet on the side. Um, I say a clean carpet on the side. That's how I've made a living 20 years. So what's the... Go back to your printing business. What's the name of your business? It's Derby City Press. Okay, and where is it? It's at 5616 Barrett Lane, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. It's 40272. It's in Valley Station, uh, right by the Walmart, next door to Hot Out Pizza. Oh, okay. So you've got a, a storefront there. You're, you're renting space. and Right. I actually, I started out, it was like a side hustle. I was making t-shirts and I was like everybody else. I had a silhouette and I was cutting vinyl. And then somebody said, you know, you should make signs. And I said, I don't know how to make signs. And they said, I'll give you a thousand bucks or two signs. And I said, well, let me go figure out how to make signs real quick. <laughs> I, I, I know how to make signs now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me go on YouTube. Um, so I bought a bigger cutter and I started making signs. Well, my best friend had a business in a niche um, and basically was, uh, selling goods to the fraternal body. So um, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's like Masons, Shriners, Oddfellows, Scottish Rite. It's, it's a very specific niche. And he made custom lapel pins, um, challenge coins like the police give out, all that type of thing. And um, he said, man, I'm spending about $1,200 a month on embroidery. You should buy an embroidery machine. And you can do all this embroidery work. And I said, well, how much is an embroidery machine? <laughs> and he said, 20 grand. And Dang. I said, well, I don't have 20 grand. And he said, well, I'll split it. And then you can buy me out of it. And I said, okay, cool. So there was a garment decorator show in Indianapolis. So we went up there to buy an embroidery machine. And we got in the car that day. And he asked me if I knew anything about sublimation. And I said, well... I'm pretty sure they use a heat press. And he said, I just bought some name tags from somebody on the internet that he resold. So he bought them for five and sold them for nine, whatever. And he said, they were the prettiest name tags I've ever seen. They were full color. They were just awesome. So I jump on YouTube on the way to Indy to buy an embroidery machine. So for two hours, I'm watching YouTube videos about sublimation. And by the time we got to Indy, I was a sublimation (laughs) expert. And, um, you know, twenty grand for an embroidery machine at twelve, fifteen dollars 
piece, a job, and we could get in the sublimation business for about $10,000 and make uh, just a plethora of stuff, name tags, cups, mugs, hats. I mean, it was just, I said, this is a no-brainer. I said, we need to have a meeting here. So we left there in the sublimation business. Okay. So now explain to me the sublimation business because I'm a little bit familiar, but my understanding is you have some sort of printer with special ink Correct. that you can print your designs on. Yes. And then from there, it's sublimated onto the media. Yep. But I don't know what the sublimation process itself okay, is. Okay, so exactly what it is is heating an ink to 400 degrees, turning that ink into a gas, and then turning back into a solid without ever becoming a liquid. Only on to polyester. So... That sounds a little complicated that way, but it's really not. Basically, you have a special printer with special ink in it, just like you said, expensive printer. You print something off, and then there are a ton of products out there that have been coated with a polyester coating. So oh, just okay. like this metal cup, it's a metal cup, but it's coated with a polyester coating. So then because it's coated with that coating, I can then heat up. I can lay that transfer on that cup, heat it up to 400 degrees, and it goes into that polyester coating, making it permanent. I gotcha. Um, but the uh, coffee cups, a, a lot, anytime you see coffee cups that have multiple colors on them, those are probably sublimated. Uh, one color may be screen printed because that's cheap. Yeah. But if somebody, people send us stuff that has six colors in it. Sure. They have to be sublimated. Yeah. Um, What's cheaper for the customer? Well, screen printing is always cheaper. Always the cheapest. Always cheaper. Um, like when we do promotional products, if somebody wants a, a koozie that says, you know, Carl's getting married on, we can screen print those for pennies. Right. Um, but if you send me something that's a picture or full color, has to be sublimated. And now you're looking at, you know, a lot more sure. for that. But the, the biggest way we use it, um, name tags. Uh, full color. If you look at an engraved name tag versus a full color sublimated name tag, it has like a picture on it. It's it's ridiculous. You know the the, the difference. We use it for that in coffee cups, mugs. Um, I make a lot of full color patches for hats. Um, you know it, it it can be used in a lot of ways. So when we started applying that to his niche. So I still had this other business going. I had all this stuff in my basement. He actually worked at his house because he's an internet company. Okay. He probably does 400 grand a year from his basement. Just selling to all the fraternal bodies? All over the world, man. All over the world. And I was always, and I had a mindset of a local service business, which is a, which is a, is a completely different mindset than he had. So we started basically just creating products, sitting at a computer, Photoshopping fraternal images on all the different things that we could sublimate and adding them to the website without ever creating that product. Right. Right. So I would make a cup that had a odd fellows logo on it, for instance, I never made that cup. Yeah. You mock it up. On and then the we computer. put it on the internet. Yeah. And then when somebody buys it, now you have to go scale it down, put it on a cup and then you save that file. And then from then on, those cups are easy. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. The first time an order came in and cause he was used to that. Like, that's his life. He comes in every day and there's money laying on his printer. Not me. It's not how I'm built. Yeah. Um, so the first time we sold something that I mocked up, he's like, here, I need one of these. And I'm like, we sold that? 
this is a, this is amazing. <laughs> so, you know, that now where I used to tell everybody that brick and mortar businesses and retail businesses were crazy, that a service business is the only way to go. And now I'm like an internet business yeah. is the only way to go. If you can sell a product online, you can live anywhere. Sure. And as long as they have post office there, you're good. Yeah. And even now, digital products. Absolutely. Are just gigantic. I'm you actually know, working on a couple of digital I mean, products now. There are people on Etsy selling just digital files. And I mean, they're killing it. Yeah. And I'm like, it's pretty amazing. I'm not really making anything. It's computer time. I mean, don't get me wrong. They have some intellectual property, but they don't have to really ship anything. They don't have to deal with right. a box or a package. You make I mean, it one time geez, and then you just you know, kind of yeah. let it. Let it sit there on the internet. Hopefully you can drive some traffic to it if you really want to get right. it out there and, you know, just uh, provide some value to people and get some money coming Right. In. So when, you know, at some point these basements, my basement was looking like a sweatshop. I mean, it was, <laughs> it had 10 foot workbenches and fluorescent lights hanging from the ceiling and, and all this stuff. And I said, Hey man, we should look at, you know, building. And because I had this other business that was really hooked up with real estate people, I knew somebody that had some, had this little strip mall in this empty spot and I negotiated a pretty good deal. And I said, Hey, we should move in there. So now that place looks like a sweatshop and, and, and we put a little tiny retail area in the front. Just, I mean, it's maybe 12 foot, 10 foot wide, as wide as the building. And it's not very big to just put samples out there. Yeah. And I was convinced that we was going to make all this money and personalized gifts. Um, and my partner is like, you're an idiot. You know, why are you wasting your time? Because he could go his whole life and never talk to a customer. Like when they call him, I laugh sometimes because I'm sitting at a desk next to him and he's like, did you even go to the website? You know, like he's, <laughs> he doesn't want to deal with people. And I'm a people person. So I was like, yeah, we're going to, I hired a Santa Claus. I thought this was genius, man. I, I thought, I thought I hired the Santa Claus for like 500 bucks around the holidays. I have this Santa Claus come in. I advertise on social media, some neighborhood pages. And I'm like, and I hired this, the Santa Claus I hired, man, is like, the, he looks like the real dude. Like you went to Santa Claus man, school. Man, I'm telling everything. you, bro, he's like a black belt in Santa. So I hire this guy and I buy this backdrop. I mean, dude, we did it right. And the whole goal was to sell $5 Christmas ornaments because I can print on up all these different size and shape Christmas ornaments. So come in, hey, put your kid on with Santa and then five bucks, I'll sell you an ornament. $500 later, I think four people showed up and, <laughs> and my dog, you know, so I was like, wow, you know, and uh, Santa still calls every year like, hey, you ready to do Santa? And I'm like, go away, Santa. <laughs> We're not doing that again. <laughs> but, but Sean is like, I told you, and, and he's the one that's really taught me about a niche. He's like, find a niche. Yeah. And I don't care what it is, but find a niche and just beat on that niche. Yeah, know? a lot of people really hammer that home. And, Focus. You know. and, uh, and the only problem with our niche is that it's literally dying. You know, the fraternal bodies are kind of going away. Yeah, they unfortunately. are. Absolutely. And uh, he says that they are, he said this has happened before, that they've kind of faded away and that they're, they're kind of positioned to make a huge comeback. Sure. Um, so we'll see how that goes. We Could you guys transfer your fraternal bodies into something like college fraternities and sororities? Would they do the same kind of thing? You know, I think the way to go, and we've talked about it, and he's already kind of splashing around in that area. And it's it's kind of fraternal. Well, it is fraternal for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Is, um, 
police. Yep. Like he's doing challenge coins right now. He's probably making challenge coins for every department in Louisville. So, you know, they're fraternal FOP. Yep. And I'm like, you know, maybe we should start kind of pointing in that direction, but we're still doing. And, and then in other places than America, the, and a lot of people don't know this, but the fraternal stuff is on the, is on the, grow yeah absolutely um so you know it's uh maybe it's just an american problem i don't know i love fraternal stuff you know it might be an american problem we got a lot of problems over here that you know i think it's a lot of it's our short attention span and you know it's like you know people feel like they don't have enough time to invest in something new you know they don't know what a fraternal organization is you know people have heard of the masons you know, nobody's heard of the Odd Fellows. You know, people, some people have heard of the Scottish Rite, things like that. Everybody right. knows the Shriners, right? Because they're in, you know, all the parades and stuff with their little funny cars and the right. hats and the clowns. And well, I think that you know, masonry but, is is known. People think that's the Illuminati and all that. But times have just changed in a way that, um, you know, becoming a Mason is very, very difficult. It's not easy, and I just think that in this day and age where you have both people in the ha- most people, both people in the household work, super busy. You know, I mean, look at you. You have a regular full-time job. You have 900 other little side things going on. You're a photographer. When do you have time to invest? And you do uh, volunteer in fraternal bodies. Yeah. So it's, it's a time management thing. I think a lot of people are just like, eh, there's a game on. And I've got to go watch this it's ball game. It's way easier to watch the ball game than it is yeah, to, man, to work is. on your side hustle <laughs> or go volunteer or whatever the well, case may be. you know, people, uh, some people just do not have it in them. I have a very good friend who has been a plumber for a very long time and works at a company that pays him a commission. He makes a percentage and he's been doing it so long that he has all these commercial clients that call him on his cell phone. They don't call the plumbing company. They call him. And if he's sick, they'll wait. That's how strong he is. And I'm like, bro, $40,000 and you can have a van and all the equipment. Yeah. What are you doing? Instead of making 35%, you make 100%. Instead of working 60 hours, work 20 and make twice what you were making at this job. Sure. And he's like, no, I'm good. Yeah, and then there's a lot of people like that. I've heard of companies, you know, especially like in the cleaning niche, mm-hmm. where somebody will start a cleaning business. They're good at marketing. They're good at acquiring clients. They don't know shit about cleaning. So what yeah. they do is they find people who are good at cleaning who have their own business who may not be raking in the clients or have a full schedule, and they say, hey, I will pay you X amount of dollars I'll give you the client, you know? And so, you know, they're maybe not making as much as they were if they were out on their own, but they're still making something and their, their schedule's full now. Right. Right. So they they end up making more as a cleaner than they were when they were on their own. 100%. And they've got somebody who's actually running the business part of it, who's feeding them the clients. So, I mean, I mean, it's kind of like your plumber guy. It sounds 100%. like it's almost the same gig. hundred percent. And that's know? why these companies like uh, home advisor and, um, these different companies exist just on the model of finding people business. Angie's List. Yeah. Angie's List started out as a legitimate, you know, I'm going to bitch about this guy who robbed me and I'm going to make a list so everybody can see it. And you used to have to pay 
to join Angie's. List. I remember that. Yeah. And now she is a marketing machine, bro. Now people pay you pay Angie to get a good mark on the list. That's right. And I mean, it's no different than the Better Business Bureau. They're the same, same. way. Yeah. You know, give me five hundred bucks, six hundred bucks, whatever it is, we'll give you this A plus rating. Yep. Um, a lot of people don't know that about the, the Better Business Bureau. No, and you, you know, know? The, one of the biggest crooks in this town, if you ask me, and I'm not going to say anybody's name, he owns a plumbing company and has a gigantic plumbing company, and I still feel like he's a crook. I feel like he takes off old people. Um, was the Better Business Bureau Man of the Year or something last year? And I'm like, I saw that sign, and I'm like, <laughs> he must give them 50 grand. <laughs> you know, like, how is this? But that's goes to the thing that you can be really good at something um like my buddy is a fan if you have a clogged up drain there is nobody in this town that's going to get it unclogged better than him but i think that he knows when it comes to the bookkeeping and the paperwork and the marketing and the advertising is not and even me who i'm a fantastic talker you know i'm a good in person my customers love me when i sold stuff for a living i was a closer but I hate the bookkeeping and the paperwork. I think everybody does. Everybody does. And the marketing, and I've been in business 20 years, and from where it started to where it is now, that is a constant learn. You're, it's like, yeah. Every single day. When it I got in business, fast. I had a $20,000 phone book, yellow page ad. And if you wasn't in the yellow pages, you were done. No one's finding you. And now, what's a yellow page? Is it 10 pages long? They don't even, do they exist still? I don't know. You know, I don't know. We used to have 10 of them in your house and they was four inches thick. Yeah. And now, um, you know, social media and AdWords. And, and I was just talking to my partner the other day. I, I think that Facebook, who I made a fortune with Facebook marketing, um, when I thought I was going to lose everything in my business, I, I made a comeback with Facebook. I think they have pretty much changed their algorithms now that if you're not giving them money, they're not going to show your stuff. You know, like your business page, um, the Freightline business page, which is Sean's uh, business, the fraternal goods, Freightline.net. He has a huge following on Facebook and he is posting two and three times a day. And he don't feel like he's getting traction. And he was like, I think Facebook's a crock of shit. And I'm like, you're just not paying them. Yeah. You know, they want the, they have figured out that they're not, they, they had to monetize. That's how they make their money. You know, hundred percent. But, and they're the best spies in the world. Oh man. You know, he, my partner all the time, Sean, I'm gonna quit saying my partner. Sean says all the time that don't say it out loud or it'll be in your Facebook tomorrow. It will. I came out of Lodge. Last week or the week before, and Shane and I stood in the parking lot and was talking forever, and he was convincing me to go get on TikTok, and I'm like, those are nine-year-olds, and he's like, no, bro, look, and he's showing me, and I swear the next day, TikTok was all up in my Facebook. Yeah, that's exactly I, how it I is. thought, man, is that really true? <laughs> like, is, are they listening to us all the time? I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, it's this whole retargeting ad system that they have right now, you know. All these websites have what's called a pixel on it, and I don't know if you yeah. are familiar with yeah. the pixel or not, but it sounds like, you know, you put this pixel on your website, somebody hits your website, next time they're on Facebook, if you've got the retargeting set up, they're seeing your ad right. immediately. Like, it happened to me, like, 
it happens to me all day because I'm always searching, you know, like marketing this, you know, see what people are selling, see how people are selling. You know, I'm really interested in like how people are selling things. So you right? have information marketers just blowing. Oh, my, my, mine's, <laughs> mine's blowing up. It's like crazy. Right. And then I went to the, the website for the, the rich dad, uh, poor dad guy. I forget his name. Robert, Robert Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, cause you know, I, I've just finished listening to his book on audio, on audio, on audible. And, you know, I was kind of interested in that game that he talks about, right? This cash flow game, um, where he, you know, you play it with your family and it kind of teaches you how to manage your money and, wow. you know, keep assets versus, you know, liabilities and things like that. And all in like a game form. So you can kind of learn fun. You know, I went to his website. How much is this game? It's like $76 wow. for this game, right? <laughs> you know, which, hey, if you're raising kids, that might be a good investment if they can learn something from the game about managing their money. Right. You know what I mean? You know, especially the way he talks. But the next thing I know, I click over to Facebook, not even like two seconds later, bam, Robert Kiyosaki ads all over my feed, you right. know, just instantly like that. Well, and it's, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, I mean, me and you was talking about it before we started recording. Uh, that was one of the most important books I ever read, and I probably read it, well, 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I don't remember. And... Um, that goes to one of my other points is another book I read when I was starting my business grill of marketing, um, said it's much easier to have a customer and create a business than it is to create a business and find a customer. Yeah. And that's just what Kiyosaki's did. He, he wrote this book that was like, man, it was so important. You know, that book to me is important. I, I tell every young person, whether they're an entrepreneur, whether they're not, especially if they're thinking about starting a business, get rich, they import it, read that, read about this track of life. It's important. But now he's written however many more books. Like right. He, he got this customer. So now he has this customer base. What else can he sell them? Exactly. You know, seven, last night I was bitching at Ellen, DeGeneres. I'm just kidding, Ellen. <laughs> uh, I was bitching at Ellen because we decided we went to eat and then we decided, you know, let's, let's play a board game. We haven't played a board game in forever. And I just didn't want to invest the 11 hours of monopoly. So we went to Meyer and we bought that heads up, which she plays it with like an iPad. She holds an iPad above her forehead. She created the app. I think okay. or somebody created it and she put her name on it. But I think the way it works is she holds an iPad above her head and then it gives clues and people have to guess. So they have it in board game form. Okay. And I'm like, oh, this that's the Ellen game. And then I get home and I realize this is definitely best played with an iPad. Ellen, you got me <laughs> for $16. Now I'm having to hold playing cards yeah. in this plastic headband that you have me strap into my head. And I was just like, Ellen, you got me. But, you know, it's, it's amazing, man, how you can monetize just if people were already coming to you. Yeah. Just figure, you know, Ellen sells probably a million dollars of the underwear a year. Underwear. Why? How's Ellen in the underwear business? But now it's it's the posh thing to have Ellen underwear. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm doing this thing now. It's called the. So I don't know if you've heard of Russell Brunson and ClickFunnels. He's kind of he's all over my Facebook and things like that, right? <laughs> of and course so he is. <laughs> he's got a he's got a service, and I haven't subscribed to it yet. But it's a it's like ninety seven dollars a month. And essentially, it's a web platform where you can build sales funnels right. for your products, right? And so what he does is, I don't have a have it in here with me, but he goes online. He wrote a book or two. He gives you the book for free. You pay for shipping. Now he's got your email, 
Right. And then he's got this thing, which I'm in now. It's called the One Funnel Away Challenge. It's like 100 bucks. It's like a 37-day-long thing, right, where he walks you step-by-step on how to create a product, how to sell the product, um, offer the product. And then at the end of the day, you build it in ClickFunnels with their 14-day trial. And he hopes that you stick around and pay him the $97 a month to stay with ClickFunnels and sell your product. But you have to sell some stuff. You have to, so. yeah. So he his, he's trying to get you to the point where you're set, you're making money within those first two weeks with your product. It costs hundred bucks to try. And it costs you hundred bucks to try, and then if you're making money, his his idea is you're going to stick around. You are. You're going to buy my product. Why would you not? Yeah, exactly. So I'm in that now. Um, you know. And, yeah, I'd be curious and, to know how that goes. See, that's my biggest it. weakness is. Uh, and we talked about this before. It's it's really killing me. And I was thinking about today. So, you know, I've transitioned over the last year from Derby City being my side business to my full-time business because of health problems. So I had this carpet cleaning business for 20 years. We cleaned carpet, sold it, and installed it. Um, and, I mean, that's really still how I pay my bills. Um, but... I'm trying to do the other thing. Well, that was a mostly commercial customers. I learned early on when I started my business and I was going to be a carpet cleaner. And this is 20 years ago. I'm, like, I'm going to be a carpet cleaner and I'm just going to run coupons and I'm going to be in the phone book and all these people are going to call me and I'm going to make money. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the first year I was in the yellow pages, my ad was $400 a month. It was a dollar bill, what they call a dollar bill size ad. So it was 4800 bucks. Well, I couldn't pay the bill, right? Yeah. I, just couldn't, I didn't have enough money. It was 24 years old, 23 years old. I couldn't pay the bill. And at the end of the year, I never will forget this. This is crazy. But this is how it worked. The Yellow Pages called me and said, hey, Tony, you ready to get your new ad? And I said, man, I didn't pay for last year's. And they said, well, you're not on our list. And I said, well, I didn't pay it for sure. Like, I owe you guys like five grand. <laughs> and they, so he calls me back and says, hey, I looked at your ad, and the problem was it was too small. Your placement was bad. Because the way it worked was the bigger the ad, the closer you went to the front. It had nothing to do with alphabet. So if you had a full-page ad, they were in the front. And then after full-page, half-page. And then after half page, quarter pages, and then the dollar bills were buried right. right before the business cards and the whatever comes after that. So they send me back a thing, a beautiful, uh, you know, thing that they drew up, half page ad. It says, you need to get a half page. It's going to put you right up front. It's $1,100 a month. A month? A month. You're going to make enough money off this ad to pay the rears. And, and I'm like, okay, cool, right on. And um, and back then you did all this shady stuff where you had no matter where your business was you listed like four phone numbers that made it look like you were local right yeah. like you had an Eastern number and a Southern number and an Indiana number and they were just like exchanges you paid the phone company and this time I added those I did East End Central and South End I think or something like that and I did make some money but nowhere enough to pay them so after that I decided you know what I'm gonna do commercial work so commercial work I could go out sell myself 
in my business. And I used to sell out, um, I bought Dan Kennedy. I don't know if you know who that is or not. Yeah, I know the name. Dan Kennedy is like the godfather of um, male marketing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, okay, he's like, yeah. All, I know the guy you're talking all about. All these guys like Grant Cardone and Joe Polish and all these guys, they were probably in Dan Kennedy's mastermind group. Like yeah. he ended up being the guy that taught people how to sell information. And Sean used to be in one of Dan Kennedy's mastermind groups. And he wanted Sean to be like his niche guy. And Sean is the one that was teaching me all about direct marketing. And this is what you do. So I used to send out letters um, to apartment buildings. I would join apartment associations and I would send them letters and say, I'll give you three free apartment cleanings not to be used on the same day. So what that did was it gave me three times to talk to this person. Yeah. To go in and jelly with them. Because, man, don't make my own mistake that life and business is about relationships. Always. Period. I don't care what anybody says. And I had girls tell me, I got your thing. I'm going to use your free carpet cleanings because I'm not stupid. But I love my carpet cleaner and I'm not switching. Now, that's a real tough pillow, pill to swallow to be standing in front of her and say, no problem. I totally understand. Let me get these free ones knocked out just so you can see the quality of my work. And you have my card if you ever need a backup. You know, and that's what you had to do. And that was tough. Yeah. When they're saying, I'm going to use your dummy because you sent this free carpet cleaning, but I'm not going to switch. But many times, a week or two or a month or three months or six months later, they kept that magnet on their file cabinet and their dude messed up or, or he quit or what he got sick and they would call. So it wasn't a fail, but once I built that commercial business, I didn't have to spend any money. It just repeated. Apartments are going to empty. Rent-to-own stores are going to come, you know, pick up dirty furniture. Um, and I built up a big commercial business so that I didn't have to worry about marketing anymore. And I didn't have to do that. I just did the work and got paid. And um, inside of that, that would be the other lesson I would teach that I would talk about that I think is important. I had a real estate customer that was a big real estate customer. We were talking about him earlier. They had a ton of apartments and I had a great relationship with them. And they had, everybody had the same carpet layer. And um, he kind of had a midlife crisis, man. He just, you know, like got like a 20 year old girlfriend in a Hummer and just wasn't showing up to work. (laughs) And, um, so I went around and said, hey, would you take a bid for me on the carpet land? And they said, well, yeah, we're, you know, we don't have any, we don't know what we're going to do. So I went, I had a carpet laying friend and I'd already asked him, like, would you want to work for me if I had enough business? And he said, yeah, man, right on. I'd like to do that. And I went around to every carpet store in Louisville. And because I couldn't buy it wholesale. If you didn't have a carpet store, you couldn't buy it wholesale. So I went around every carpet store in Louisville and said, hey, I've got all these apartments, probably like 1,500 doors, 2,000 doors. I could sell all of them carpet. If you guys would treat me right on the price, I have cash. And all of them wanted to give me the price that I needed to be selling for. Mm. Like they wanted to treat me like I was the apartment. Like you were the customer. And I was looking for a place. I was lost. I turned around in a parking lot of one of those like you rent it warehouses, like anybody yeah. can rent it, just a little warehouse. Right. And there's a place, no sign, 
the door's open and I see carpet and pad in there. So I'm all like, well, so I stop the car and I go in and this little guy's in there named Keith Hart. And I tell him what I want to do. And he's like, yeah, man, right on. And he gives me a price that I can work with. And then I'm like, hey, um, could I leave the carpet here? And my guys come here and cut it with your forklift. And he's like, yeah, no problem. Keith had been a distributor, had been a rep and was starting this business and was really hungry to get clients. So he was like, yeah, man, you know, anything I can do to help. And um, I bought the first couple rolls cash and it really took off. And I called him back and said, hey, man. I need more carpet, but I'm out of money. You know, can you help? And and he said, I can give you 15 days. So that at a time was, I mean, crucial. I had to have it. I had to have the carpet. But that's how I got in the carpet laying business. And then a couple years later, that same company had a painter. And me and this guy didn't get along. Um, he was a big bully. He had been a, like a tough man fighter, you know. I mean, he really, this dude really had fought Butterbee. Yeah. He was like a big dude, too. Like, there's no way I was fighting this guy. <laughs> and um, we didn't get along. And then, to make a, a long story endless, he gets fired. Well, he had a pretty good relationship with her. And so did I. I had a really good relationship with her. But he, he did, too. And I thought, she'll calm down in a day or two, and she'll hire him back. So I went in there and said, hey, um, can I bid on the painting? And she said, Tony, what do you know about the painting? And I said, get it on the wall, not the floor. <laughs> and uh, she said, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll do it for $20 cheaper than he was doing it. And you let me paint one. And you just go take a look at it and see what you think. And she's like, okay, fair enough. So I went home and told my, my wife at the time, I said, hey, we're in the painting business. Which at this point, nothing surprises her. Yeah. Know? And, uh, I can see that with you. <laughs> yeah. So she goes, who's the painters? I said, well, you and me, you know, until we figure this thing out, we're, we're going to go paint one. So I think we hired some day help and we went down and painted this apartment. It took a day and a half. It was like 300 bucks. And I'm like, this is terrible. You know, $300 for a day and a half, you know, carpet cleaning margins. Yeah. Like, carpet laying margins. I'm like, no way. This is terrible. So I like Google how to paint fast. <laughs> and it shows me a paint sprayer. And I'm on YouTube learning how to use a paint sprayer. I'm at Porter Paint the next morning buying one. And I'm spraying apartments the next day, two a day. Oh, wow. So we went from cleaning carpets for 65 bucks an apartment, laying carpets, and then painting. So what happened then was all I could do was take care of this customer. But I thought that I was a mad genius because I had followed Gorilla Marketing's suggestion i had a customer i created businesses around it i'm making a fortune i mean if somebody moves out of this apartment i'm getting paid yeah i'm getting paid and people you got you got all the business there no matter what and everything was great and i started letting everything else go um the rent to own companies who had been my bread and butter for years they had gotten kind of wishy-washy on pay like, they went from one of my best payers to, like, 90-day payers. Oh, 90 days. And I was like, um, yeah, I'm firing them. I'm done with rent-owned companies. And I literally called. I had, this is how I fed my babies. This is how I created and bought my house. And I literally called them up and said, I'm, we're done. Oh, you're going out of business? No, we're just not working for you anymore. Because I had so much. I mean, bro, it was, it was the apartment complex. One complex called me at tax time and said, I need you to paint 14 apartments this week. Wow. 
And it was just me and my wife, and I had a carpet cleaner, I had a full-time painter, me and my wife, and we had an, a girl that worked for us to help prep. And I told the guy, I said, can you give me a more realistic number? And he goes, yeah, I'm sorry, you're right, 12. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So on Facebook, I'm like, anybody need to make some money this week? Let me know. Yeah. I mean, we pulled it off, but I was doing great. I thought I was a genius, but what I didn't realize I had done is I had put all my eggs in all one basket. All your eggs in one basket, yeah. And that basket surely broke. You know, at some point, eventually it did. And, it, and, and really without making this thing 18 hours long, it was really a personal situation. Um, it had nothing to do with my business, my quality of work. It was a personal situation. The guy in charge and me uh, had some personal issues and he just starts eliminating those jobs. You know, he was trying and couldn't. And then he went to the owners and said, hey, we're paying Tony this much money a year. Why don't we hire a couple guys and pay them 10 bucks an hour to paint these apartments? Right. And the owner said, you're a genius. And really all that was behind it is he wanted me out of business. <laughs> um, so it literally folded to the point where I went and got a job. I was like, I'm, I have pissed off every customer I had. I was done. I only had them. They took away painting and they took away carpet laying, the two big ticket items. So I was left with $65 Carpet cleaning. Carpet cleanings. A couple a week, and I'm like, what am I going to do? And I went and got a job selling furniture. I was like, I'm going to go get a job, and I'm going to clean carpet on the side. That's what I'm going to do. And because I had give up in my life on residential, on marketing, I had give up on that. Like, that's a no, no win for me. I'm not good at it. I don't have the money. I didn't know where I would go with commercial work at this point. Like, I can't go back to Renaissance Center and be like, hey, guys, <laughs> you know, yeah. look who's back, back. You know, it wasn't going to work. So here's what happened. I went and did a side job, did a carpet cleaning for this young guy. He had a pregnant wife, and his dogs had been sick and just shit all over the house. Right? Oh, man. So he calls me up. I go out there, clean it up. And I've spent a lot of time talking to them about how to keep it clean. Just spent a lot of time. I was in no hurry. I didn't have all that going on anyways. (laughs) There was a community page on Facebook. So it was a community page from the community that we lived in. And it was like 80,000 people on it or something. It was like a lot of people. Yeah. So I'm out working or whatever after I do this job. And I keep getting these notifications on my phone. And it's Facebook notifications. It's dinging. And I'm like what the hell is going on with Facebook? I'm busy. When I finally open my Facebook, I have like 13 messages. And it's all people want me to come clean their carpet. And then I got a notification that this guy had gone on this community page and wrote this glowing thing about me. Like, Tony is just the nicest guy, and he took his time. He, had, he was taking pictures while I was there, but I didn't think anything about that. Posted the before and after pictures. Oh, that's awesome. Um, went on and on and on about this. And that was the day that I learned about Facebook and how organically. Yeah. At the time, I don't know that you still, I think you still can. You can do it. I, I think it can be. Nice I think too. it's still, a, you got to find the right group and the yeah. right audience. And um, it was crazy. It, it took off. It got to the point where that community page messaged me and said, hey, you're right here in our community, and from now on, when anybody asks for a carpet cleaner, we're going to put your name up. 
And, um, and so I would go do those jobs for people. And then I would just ask them. I would always say, how did you hear about me? Of course I knew. And they'd say, oh, I got you off that page. And I would say, hey, you know what would be awesome? I said, well, I would normally open with this. i say, do you believe in tipping service people? Now, they think I'm asking for money. Right. And they're automatically like, oh, God. Uh. And now, uh, it's kind of like asking your wife, would you make me a meatloaf? And she goes, a meatloaf now? And you go, no, would you just get me something to drink? <laughs> so I would say, do you believe in tipping? And they would say, uh, well, and I'd say, well, you know, the biggest tip you could give me is to go on that community page and say something nice about me so that somebody else could find me like you did. Yeah. And then they were so relieved they didn't have to give me any money. They'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. No problem. And they just kept doing it. They kept going on this page. And I was taking selfies with them, and we was putting it on there. And it, that's how my that carpet cleaning page got so many followers was off of that community oh, page. That's really cool. And, um, and everything was is moving right along. That's a... A sweet approach, too, I think, you know, to kind of approach them with with this idea of a tip and kind of get them, like, a little bit defensive. And then you just, like, soften the blow immediately with, like, hey, I don't really want anything hard or any money. Just go on Facebook. You're going to be on there anyway and just type something up. It's just a soft close. Yeah. You know, when you say... You know, hey, when they immediately think this dude's because you've then charged them, you know, 150 bucks. Right. They paid you. You're you're already at that point. Even if they wanted to tip you, now you're being an asshole because they have to get their pocketbook back out. <laughs> That's right. You know, so uh, then when you ask them to just do something nice, you say, you know, uh, one thing that I need to work on now because I'm I'm still um, kind of blind and deaf to this whole website situation. I'm so struggling with it. Um, you know, those Google reviews are everything, everything. I ask for them you know, from all my head. Everything. Clients. This company that I just hired to work on my Google, they gave me these big postcards that have how to do it and the whole nine yards. And I put them in every package we ship yeah. or everybody that comes in, I give them one and say, Hey, if you like that, you know, would you take the time? And yeah, that, that's a good idea too. And then, you know, uh, I'm not sure exactly how your business is set up, but you know, you can go into Google My Business, you can get a link, right? Right. right. And then you just send a follow-up email after right. the product's delivered and yeah. say, hey, if you really enjoyed the service and the product, the best thing you can do to help me out is, you know, leave me a Google review. I've, I've made it easy for you. Click the link and it takes you right there. Right. And, you know, you click, click the link and then it just pops up and they can hit five stars right. and type something up. And, but I mean, those Google reviews know. are for, they're everything. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're in the process right now. I, I'm um, working on a website for Derby City. Classic has a website. But like I said, really, the carpet cleaning business is, I've been doing it 20 years. You know, my children have this bad habit of wanting to eat three times a day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, so I, I. I still have to clean carpet. And I still have to lay carpet just to pay my bills. I would like to get at a place where I can say, you know what, I'm, I'm done. My youngest boy helps me with carpet cleaning. And that might be a great, like, college job for him, high school job for him, you know. Um, and it teaches them about business. You know, one of the very first things, maybe what started this for me is when I was a little kid, I said, I want a lemonade stand. And my dad said, okay, Diane, go to the store and get him everything he needs and get the pictures and the cups and the lemonade and get him a big poster board and get him a big marker and get stuff to decorate that board with. And I'm thinking, hells yeah, I'm about to have the most gangster lemonade stand <laughs> in, in the South End. So 
mom comes home with all the stuff and then dad sits down with me at the kitchen table with the receipt and a calculator and says, okay, <clears throat> the lemonade costs this much, the sugar costs this much, the cups cost this much. This is your cost of doing business. This is what a cup of lemonade costs you. The startup cost for your business, your poster board, your markers, your tape, was this much. I loaned you that money, and I'm going to let you pay me back at 4% interest because there's no <laughs> such thing as free money. <laughs> nice. And, that's um, a good dad. He did. Yeah. I mean, my dad was a teacher, man. He was always teaching that's something. That's awesome. And that's kind of, I'm hoping with, you know, I hope that the boys have seen, you know, me be in business. I'm, I'm not super successful. I've, I've been free which was the big thing to me. Yeah. You know, dad was a union construction worker. And, and like I said, it's a big joke, especially around Lodge. Nick introduced me the other day as this guy has 20 businesses. I've had several businesses. I'm not afraid to start one. Sure. That's for sure. Um, I like starting them. And sometimes they're a bust. Sometimes yeah. they're a pain in the ass. And you're like, I'm done with this. Let's move on to the next thing. But I have no fear. I'll start a new one tomorrow. I don't care. I think that's super important for anybody who might be listening or thinking about starting up a business, right? Is like, we're so afraid of failure that it just stops people from doing anything, right? Yeah. They don't start. You know, they think about it. They have a great idea, but they're so afraid that they're going to fail that they don't do it. But you learn so much from what you do wrong 100%. and you learn so much from what other people do wrong that it's not bad to try something that doesn't work. Well, there's never been a better time ever in this world. You know, I said, if YouTube would have been around when I was seven, I'd be a billionaire right now. <laughs> yeah. um, You're a YouTube uh, learner. Oh, I love it, man. And you know, I can get so much information off of there. Uh, I just bought a laser engraver uh, the end of last year. I saw that thing. That yeah. looks cool. Oh, my gosh, man. You know, we went from sublimating and screen printing and cutting vinyl to sandblasting and then bought a laser. And every one of those things I have had to learn, teach myself, self-taught. So get on YouTube. Join Facebook groups is the greatest thing. You can get the realest information. Yeah. You know, if you have a thing you like... So I'm in probably six laser Facebook groups and probably in five sublimation Facebook groups because now you're questioning, sharing, and getting information from your peers. Yeah. Not people selling the stuff, which you can get bad information from, but other people out there doing it. Right. You know, I cut some acrylic the other day, and it was the first time I had cut acrylic, and it had this little white fog on it. And I rubbed it with alcohol, and I couldn't get it off. So I just took a picture of it, circled it with my phone, uploaded it to one of those pages and said, what am I doing wrong? And somebody said, clean it with acetone. And I clean it with acetone and it comes straight Come off. right off. So, you know, I would say if you're into anything, if you're thinking about doing anything, go find a Facebook group for that. I agree. Because it is so much free info. And YouTube, YouTube has gotten polluted in some ways where, you know, that used to be in YouTube when you pulled up a video all of the videos underneath were exactly related. Yeah. They'll do that. The algorithm's more. different now. You know, they have changed it. And that, that was a big, I'm sure it's a money thing for them. They're putting the popular shit up there that you might click on. Yeah. But it's it sucks. It used to be if you typed in, you know, whatever, photography, underneath of you was all how-to photographer videos. Correct. And I mean, I fell in that YouTube hole a gazillion times. Just Man. Going down and reading yeah. and getting information. But these people today... 
the information, business information is out there. Me and you was talking about. I learned like the, the eggs in one basket thing where I thought I was a genius for turning this one customer into all this money. I didn't see the forest for the trees, you know, that if something happened, you know, that customer, they could have went out of business. I got a divorce and, and is what caused it for me. Anything can happen. And now what? Now where are you? Yeah. You have to protect yourself. And now I'm the opposite. I have my eggs in a gazillion baskets. Which I think is better. Well, the, but I don't know if it's better, but it's smarter. Well, and people would say, a uh, guy that I grew up with, one of my best friends, dad, used to say, Tony, you work so hard at not working. <laughs> and I think he thought that was an insult, but I thought it was smart. And my dad, like I said, was a union construction worker. And by the time I started the carpet cleaning business, that would have been my third business. My first one when I was 14, my second one when I was 18, in the carpet cleaning business, I was 23 or 24. So I had gone to my dad for money. Straight up. I went to him and said, I want to start this business. I was getting married. I said, I need some bread. And he's like, Tony, what about the other businesses? He was a union construction guy. Right. So he was like, just join the union. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's not really for me. And um, this, that, and the other. And, he, and I went to meet him at work one day. He worked for this giant construction company. And he takes me into the office of the owner. I never will forget. This guy had a desk so big, I, don't, I think they built the building around it. I just remember it being gigantic. <laughs> and he's sitting behind the desk, and my dad says, you know, Mr. Whitten, uh, my son here, Tony, wants to start a business, and do you have any advice for him? And Mr. Whitten looked up like we was bothering him, you know, and said, yeah, if you can make more money working for somebody else, work for somebody else. And we left there, and my dad said, what do you think about that? And I said, I think it's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. And he said, what do you mean? I said, if I could make $500,000 a year, but I had to work 80 hours a week and travel and be away from my family and my friends and make all this money, or I could make $50,000 a year and work two days a week, what's better? Right. Five days to spend with my family and my friends, do the things I want to do, 50 grand. At that time, my dad, when we're having that conversation, my dad probably made 40. And it was nothing to sneeze at then, 20 years ago, 40 right, grand a year, yeah. you know, make a living. And I said, if I can make 50 grand a year and work two or three days a week, that's disco. And in my mind, I knew, you know, I wanted to be able to take off. Yeah. I never wanted to miss a ball game or a exactly. field trap. Or, I didn't, just didn't want to miss that stuff. And that's where I was comfortable. I'd be okay being a thousand air. And my dad used to say, don't you want 20, 20 trucks, carpet cleaning vans? You know, I'm like, hell no. You know, that's. That's a ton of problems. You know, the more employees you have, the more problems. Yeah. The more equipment you have, the more problems. I just wanted to have that one van busy all day, every day, with another guy doing the work and me playing golf. There you go. You know, everybody's I mean, that, dream. Yeah, you know, that was it. So, yeah. Well, hey, we got a couple minutes left here. So, if you had to give somebody who was thinking about getting in business now or is in business currently but may not be you know, getting the results that they want, you know, what advice would you give, give these people? No, I've thought about this all week. What, what would I Putting say you on about the spot. this? No, no, I have the answer. <laughs> I have the best answer you've ever heard. A lot, I've had a golf course, a fruit market, and a deli, a carpet cleaning business, promotional products business. I've had a couple different businesses. The mis biggest mistake that I made with all of them as I went and learned about whatever the business was. So for carpet cleaning, for instance, I would learn about cleaning carpet or whatever. I wasn't learning about the right thing, which was marketing. 
And when I figured the money up to start the business, I would say, you know, machine costs this much, business cards cost this much, uh, insurance costs this much, soap costs this much. Just add $10,000 to whatever number you come up with yeah. for a marketing budget. Because everything that is bought is sold. And if you can't get your name out there, if you can't get a website out there, if you can't do click paper clicks, if you can't advertise, if you can't get signage, you're not going to sell anything. That's correct. So b before you, when you calculate, if you're going to be a photographer and you say cameras this much and lights is this much and the backdrops this much. Okay. Now you're a photographer. Great. Add $10,000 to that. Add $20,000 to that. And while you're learning your craft, while you're learning your trade, whatever it is that you're going into business to do, the marketing, the advertising, and the sales aspect of that is twice as important. You have to be good at something to be successful, 100%. Right. Absolutely. But if you're not a good photographer, you're not going to sell that. But if you don't know how to sell yourself, if you don't know how to get the word out there, you're done before you start. I agree. So if I was going to say go into anything, learn about marketing and advertising, there are inexpensive ways to do it. But there's not a lot of great free ways to do it. So if you've got a budget to start a business and you're ready to launch that business this year and you have the startup money and you've been saving and you've been side hustling and you've been working, but you don't have any marketing budget, give yourself another six months or a year and put one together. Because all of that hard work and all of that money is going to fail if you can't market or advertise it. I've, I've learned that lesson the hard way. <laughs> every, every business I've ever had, you would think at some point I would say, you know, maybe yeah. I should. No, I would calculate the hard cost. Yeah. The building, the rent is this much. The insurance is this much. The soap is this much. And then you've got everything ready to go. You've got your pot. You've got your vegetables. You've got your all ready to go. You've got your apron on. you got no stove. Yeah. Nobody's coming. Exactly. You know, so if you don't figure out how to get that word out there, how to be able to pay for it, that's, that's what you need to do. Yeah. I think I've, you know, I've learned that in my business, you know, I, you know, the hope is that people find me organically through Google, Google search and, you know, things like that. But the reality is they don't, no. you know, there's so many keywords and things like this that it, it's real hard for people to find you organically through Google search, unless you spent a lot of time and some money on your SEO to, get you to rank first or second well and we have and a terrible then, mindset because we've looked into all this shit so when i look up stuff i go to the first organic search right but i'm not everybody because i've been studying it yeah. you know i think they're stopping at maps but, or they're stopping at the first ad yeah and and so you know i find if i run a google adwords campaign i get way more hits to my website than i ever do if i'm not running a google ads campaign and you know more hits to the website means more leads, you know, which more leads leads to more customers, right. you know. And, you know, if you don't have a marketing budget, then it really puts you at a disadvantage. Unless you have a huge personal network that you can rely on who's going to, you know, spread you around word of mouth only, you know. Right. You know, kind of like you, you got lucked out with on your Facebook group. Right. You know, because you found the right guy at the right time. Well, and I told you know? um, Sean the other day, and he was talking about Facebook sucks. I said, you know what you need to do? I think organically, free, the best way to get the word around on Facebook is to do like these contests where, hey, we're going to give this, like, I'm, you know, I'm engraving these barrelheads now or whatever. So like, hey, I'm going to give away one of these barrelheads with whatever you want on it. All you have to do is like, share, and tag. Now they're saying tag somebody. Right. So that that shows his friends. 
so that people now have something that they're after, you know, reciprocity. You're going to give them something. They're going to give you something. And then they're going to share your page. So it's going to be seen. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to do, you have to be creative. You have to be outside that box, you know, just, uh, and you're right. AdWords and depending on what you're doing, like carpet cleaning AdWords are ridiculous. Yeah. That's probably expensive. But if you do like stripping and waxing, they're nothing. Cause there are only three dudes doing it. Nobody wants to do that work. No. <laughs> so, you know, you have to be prepared. But like I said, that's my problem right now. I have all the capabilities in the world of screen printing t-shirts, making signs, engraving stuff. I got nobody calling because I don't, I haven't done the internet thing yet. I just haven't really got there. And because I've been having this tough spot in my life with bad health and stuff that I, you know, I'm, and also I have the mindset where I'm not willing to just pay somebody five grand to build a website. Right. I'm like, you can, I know it can be done for free. I'm going to take the time to do it, but then I don't manage my time. I don't get it done. Right. And then even after you do it, it has to be SEO and it has to be connected to everything. So that would be another thing I would tell somebody, you know, figure out how to build your website and SEO it. Or find somebody that can. Or find somebody to do it, yeah. Because it's a ton of work. It, it, it's the the same thing, right? You can't be an expert at everything. You have to know what you're good at, what you can do, and then the other things. You need to find somebody who can do it for you. 100%. You know, because, you know, especially, you know, someone who's a small business or an entrepreneur or something, you know, a lot of times you're one person, maybe two, right, if you've got a partner with you. And the two of you probably aren't good at different things. Right. <laughs> you know, so you need some help. And so don't be afraid to, to go out there and find a virtual assistant or, right. or an assistant in town or somebody who can, you know, find you, you know, leads on LinkedIn or build you an email list or write your email campaign or right. if you're not a good copywriter or whatever the case may be. Right. right? You know, that's, and that's all a important. big thing now, though, like virtual assistants and stuff. Like I should probably be tapping into that yeah. because I'm like. You know, but you have to get um, you have to get out there. So that's it. So well, cool. Well, Tony, I appreciate uh, you coming by today, and I really enjoyed the the conversation. You got fun, man. You got tons of tons of experience running businesses, oh, you just, know, uh, and a lot to learn from you. So I appreciate it. Why don't you uh, let everybody know once again where they can find you? Well, we're our physical business is at fifty six sixteen Barrett Lane four zero two seven two. Uh, Facebook. We have a pretty big Facebook page, Derby City Press on Facebook. Um, and then my phone number is 502-536-0247. You can call or text. I'm text messages. This day and age, if you don't take a text message, man. I know. You know, so, yeah, I'd love to. Anybody needs anything, just give me a holler. All right. Very cool. All right, guys. Well, Tony, appreciate it. Thanks, Carl. All right. See All you, buddy. Bye. Thanks for listening to 502 Entrepreneurs. You can find our site online at www.502entrepreneurs.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast through whichever service you listen to. Thanks again.